Welcome to Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. I'm very intrigued by stories in the Bible, especially the ones that the main character is nameless. The story I will be sharing with you today comes from John 8, verses 1 through 11, and it reads, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Imagine this nameless woman, trembling, fearful, waiting to feel the thrust of a stone hit her body. According to the law, the first person to cast a stone at her would have been an eyewitness. The men that brought her to Jesus claimed that they had caught her in the very act. She was caught doing that one thing, that one offense, maybe not for the first time. There is a high probability that she was brought up in a home where her parents most likely went to the local synagogue every Sabbath. I like to imagine that her parents prayed for her, often crying out to the Lord to help her. The Bible is full of stories to remind us that we live in a sinful world with a constant allurement to sin. We hear voices in our head to let go, to compromise, to circumvent, to do our own thing. And we'll catch it with Christ later. But for now, we just want to live our life. Yet deep down, maybe far deep down, the desire for change called to this nameless woman. She knew about the stones long before they threatened to throw them at her. Her stones represented the wall she had built around her heart because of life. You know what I mean. A firmly established wall and the thought of it coming down or even a stone being removed terrifies us. Why? Because pain will always find a way to express itself. Most often we only see the anger or the depression, and we would rather others see that than be able to look too closely inside and see our pain. We have secrets, and we are finding ways to cope with hurt, disappointments, rejection, abandonment, fear, unforgiveness, doubt. So we do find ways to cope, to numb the pain, 
of our past and our present, to push things down, to quieten the memories. For some, we overeat, we shop, we hoard things, we gamble, we focus outside of ourselves and condemn others who are also in pain in the form of gossip. Others have concluded that the only worth they have is their body, so they offer it up as their best gift. The Bible defines this as adultery or fornication. It depends on the woman if she is married, engaged, or single. Someone is numbing their pain with prescription drugs just to get through the day, and others need a glass of wine every night just to unwind. Some are eating sweets, that addicted chocolate that dumps dopamine in the system. Some lose themselves in codependency. Others binge out on their favorite TV program that they get more pleasure out of than reading their Bible. This one thing helps us numb out. These are our go-tos when we are stressed, when those memories are hard to keep down and at bay. They're threatening to overwhelm us. Something has to change. And that one thing that we most often turn to is the one thing we will turn to instead of to God for comfort and answers. How well are you coping with your past or your present? What conclusions have you come to about life? Remember, unresolved pain will find a way to express itself. Whatever it is, whatever you're doing to numb your pain, to quieten your fears, to cope. Today, that nameless woman finds herself standing before Jesus. Not because her accusers are hoping that Jesus will deliver her from her past. They have judged her and condemned her already. They are really after Jesus and were hoping to find something to use against him. But she knows the ones who accused her. And she knows that they are as guilty as she is. She knows them by name. But she believes her sins are greater. So she keeps silent. What is ironic? These men that brought her to Jesus for condemnation that day, they were unaware that today their very act would set her free. As she stands before Jesus, he acknowledges her presence, but he doesn't speak directly to her at first. He already knows her situation. He has been waiting, and today her life will change forever. He knows what she needs the most. She waits for the first stone to hit her body. But instead, what she hears is the sound of grace. She hears the sound of stones dropping to the ground. And then she hears the most beautiful voice she has ever heard. Go and sin no more. So what is grace? It is the power of God to enable us to do the impossible. And that is to choose Christ instead of trying to cope with life on our own. When Jesus bid the woman to go and sin no more, he didn't send her away to figure things out by herself. No, he empowered her with his love and grace to stop doing that one thing and learn to turn to him and to trust him. If we keep reading after Jesus speaks to her, he goes back to teaching and he says to her and those who are standing in the crowd, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John eight twelve. Only the light in life of Jesus can dispel our darkness. 
The light of truth is exchanged for the lies we believe about ourselves. He has given each of us a measure of faith and light. Every light gives off a distinctive light to make our life beautiful. And the more we trust and believe and obey, the light inside of us will grow and will continually grow and grow brighter. I love what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 60. O daughter of Zion, arise and shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Now was this nameless woman guilty of what they accused her of? Yes, she was. And so are we. So try this. Get a stone and write on it how you have been coping with life in just one particular area. Give it a name. It could be working too many hours or exercising way too much and spending much, much too much time at the gym. It could be overeating. It could be shopping. Anything to avoid life and relationships and anything that numbs our pain and pushes that memory down, that that tries to scream at us. It could be hoarding and gambling and pornography. It could be gossiping, talking about other people instead of dealing with our own stuff. What about adultery? What about fornication? When we give our bodies thinking that it's the only value that we have, it's the only worth that we have. And when we are in the act of doing this, someone will notice us. Someone will see us, the person, the real person. Anything that easily besets us time and time again, that's what we're talking about. Look at it. This rock, this stone, hold it in your hand tightly, clench it. Now go to the cross and place it in Jesus' hand. I don't care if you've already done this a hundred thousand times. Do it again until you have completely released it into God's hand. Someone will take that stone and give it to Jesus today and never take it back out of his hand. And once again, there are others that are listening will have to go to Jesus again and again and again. But you keep going until he has complete possession of the very thing that you're using to numb your pain instead of going to him. Remember what he said to the Apostle Paul. My grace is enough. The prophet Isaiah also says in chapter 40, starting with verse 29, he gives power to the faint. He takes up this matter himself and to them that have no might. He, Christ, increases your strength by giving you his. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as eagles. You know what eagles do when there's a storm? They fly into the wind. And they let the wind, the current of the wind, lift them up. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. He said that we shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. He's talking about us. He's talking about a surrendered life. This is what a surrendered life looks like. We shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. That's a surrendered life. It's not an easy life. It doesn't mean we don't have any problems. He's telling us how we will respond to life. You know, I'm going to say it again. It's those hurt places are the reason we build walls around our hearts. But Jesus has come 
to take away our reason for the walls that surround our hearts. Remember, grace empowers us to make a decision regardless of how we feel. Are you ready to ask Jesus to give you the grace to take that stone and put it in his hand? He is ready if you are. That nameless woman walked away from her old life that day. She became one of Jesus' most devoted followers. I plan to meet all those nameless women in heaven. And the first thing I will ask them is this. What is your name? Revelation 3.20 says this, and I'm going to paraphrase it. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What door is he standing at? He's standing at the door of our hearts, of our minds. And he's knocking because he will not intrude. He will not kick the door in. We're powerless to respond to that knocking unless we respond to the Holy Spirit. He goes on to give us a promise if we open the door. He says, if you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come into your life. I will sup with you, meaning I will sit down with you and he with me. That's God. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Women of Courage, Living the Gospel with Power. You are the most courageous woman I know, and I thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. Until next time, be blessed.